Um, and one of the things that our, our home, we fasted um, Facebook. Um, so when we finally opened our Facebook, I don't remember if it was Friday night or Saturday morning, I found out Chantel had a baby. And I'm like, said nobody use the phone anymore? Why didn't somebody, I was even here Wednesday night for prayer and nobody told me. So I'm like, I feel so bad saying congratulations a week later, but welcome. I mean, look at her. Baby is precious, beautiful. I love it. We actually need to schedule a child dedication. Now we've got two new babies. And I don't know if I missed any other. Sometimes you guys have babies faster than I can keep up around here. So we need to get that on the schedule. But blessings, baby and, and mom and dad are doing well in church. Amen. All right. Matthew chapter 12. Let me read. Am I in Matthew? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. That's why it didn't look familiar. Um, let's start with verse 33. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? This is Jesus speaking. Sorry, that wasn't me. Okay. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted or found innocent. And by your words, you will be condemned or found guilty. Um, today I want to discuss the importance of our words through a vision that God gave me of this courtroom scene. So the title of today's message is, Whose Table Are You Sitting At? Allow me to take just a few minutes and elaborate on the vision. The vision was a very simple yet very clear picture of a courtroom, a large judge's bench, a witness stand, and two tables, one table for the prosecutor and one table for the defender. In walks the prosecutor, the accuser of the brethren. He takes his seat. Next walks in the defender, the good shepherd, the lamb of God slain for the sins of the world, now sits down to intercede for us. As the angels announce the most holy's entrance, all stand in respectful submission. As he took his seat, I felt my heart burn within me as I found myself standing before him between the two tables. Take your seat, I heard an angel instruct me. Looking around, I found my defender and immediately sat down next to him at his table. Feeling confident that this was my seat, I sat back, looked over at the prosecutor's table, and shook my head at the one I knew now stood condemned. And yet, to my surprise, the judge was not calling the prosecutor to stand trial. In a flash, as if scrolling through pictures, I seen countless people I knew 
Some were family, some neighbors, some fellow believers, some pastors. Some were large people groups, and others I had only seen in passing. Then I heard flowing out of my mouth words of accusation. Things I had said about these people now being presented like a case against them. And then I heard a voice gently ask me, Whose table are you sitting at? And to my horror, I discovered I was no longer sitting with my defender, but was sitting at the table of the accuser. In this world, there are only two choices. There is only heaven and there is only hell. There is only the defender, Jesus, our Savior. And there is only the prosecutor, the accuser of the brethren. And you either stand in agreement with one and opposed to the other, or you stand in agreement with the other and opposed to the one who died for you. I tell you how important your words are. I know the enemy does that. I mean, I should probably preach again that whole standard. That, remember that um, series I did on that pendulum. That if Satan cannot get you to deny the truth, to stand in opposition to the truth, he'll swing it so far to the right and throw so many confusing statements and voices that it clouds out or covers up. The truth. Did God really say that? There is only one or the other. Out of your mouth flows either life or death. There's no other thing. And you're like, well, that's just semantics to say, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know? No, it's not. It's the same listen to yourself. If you think there's no importance to my words, you're calling God a liar. Because he said the power of life and death, I've said, and it's not just in your tongue, in the believer's tongue. If you've believed that, that's not true. It's in everyone's tongues. So if the believers aren't speaking life like they're commanded, commissioned to do, then the world is speaking. Do you think they're speaking life? No, they're speaking death. And you've got a hundred, I don't even know, I was going to look up what the population is and I thought, why bother? I won't remember the number anyway. <laughs> However many in the world that are unbelievers or not believers yet, I like to call them because we're supposed to look at them with hope and right, um, not yet believers, speaking death and there's only a little handful of believers who actually believe the word of God is true and we have life and death and the power of our tongue. So let's start speaking life. And we wonder, why is the world getting so evil? Because you're not going out there speaking life. As a matter of fact, why am I standing here today telling believers, stop speaking death? Because we've swung over and started believing the confusing, did God really say that? There's nothing wrong with that. And I'm going to pick on a song. Again, I'm only going to do this because 
during worship, I'm like, God, it would be nice if I had an example. And then they sung this song, and I thought, oh. So, listen, I don't want you guys to go, oh, I'll never sing that song again, you know? Because that's just, well, that's doing exactly what the enemy wants you to do. If he can't get you to continue to grow and learn and cast off the things that might slow you down and not get offended by it, hurt by it, or go into the, oh, woe is me, then he'll swing the other and, well, let's just nitpick every song then, right? And who do they think they are? Blah, 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 right? So don't do that. But the power of our words, we say a lot of nice things that just simply aren't true. The song was a great, powerful song. Um, what is it? Fear has no place. Um, she was singing, my fear. My fear. Has God given us the spirit of fear? No. Do you have fear? No. Oh, come on. Yes. But is it from God? No. So why would you want to label it yours? Because that's untrue. You don't want to take ownership for something God has not given you. Otherwise, you give him permission to stay there. He's a tormentor, and he's already been defeated. Fear has no chance. Right? right? right. Don't call it yours. So anyway, but it's power. Because what you were just doing is that you were singing, I have fear. But I will try to manage it. Did God send his one and only son to the cross to die this horrific death so that you could manage your problems that he never gave you in the first place? No. Come on. Stop believing the lie. We need to get back to speaking life, speaking truth, believing God, believing truth, and casting everything else off. Cast it off. You know, I like that. Paul said, we're all like runners in a race. Stop picking up things that you were never meant to carry because they're slowing you down. They're impeding you. And you need to cast those things off so you can run faster. Sorry, none of that was even in my message. Let me get back to my message. Uh, this vision continues to remind me that our words either put us in agreement with Jesus or put us in agreement with Satan. And I refuse to say anything about others or even myself that would place me at the accuser's table in agreement with him instead of in agreement with God. Now picture this for a second. Place yourself in the courtroom that I described I hope you're sitting at the defender's table. But allow for a second God to do what he did to me and just see these pictures of people, their faces, maybe somebody that's hurt you, you know, way in your past, or, or maybe even this morning. Are your words, are your thoughts, is your heart toward them? In agreement with what the defender would say or in agreement with what the accuser would say? Well, he shouldn't have said that. Well, they shouldn't have done that. They're not right. They were wrong. Who would say that? Would God say that? Or would Satan say that? We cannot allow anything to come out of our mouth 
that would place us in agreement with the accuser of the brethren. No, what they did was not right. But it doesn't make what you're doing right by what you say and what you're thinking and what you want to harbor in your heart. Because how dare I let them get away with it? Well, aren't you glad God let you get away with all your sins when he accepted you? We're all his children. Yes, the one that's on the street corner that's, you know, still hooking for her meals or, you know, whatever. The one that's in the, you know, White House. The one that's, you know, your neighbor, the, the drunk, the murderer, the child molester. They're all God's children. Who are you to say which ones can receive his mercy? Because he said, extend it freely. Because by the measure you extend to others, he's going to measure that back to you. And that was another vision that God gave me. Was that I was coming up, standing in this long line, waiting. And I knew that was, I'm going to receive my uh, just rewards when I stood before God. And coming up there, and, and I heard people, and as I was, the line was getting closer, and I was getting up there, I could hear what was happening. And I heard, you will receive the same measure you used. And immediately, I knew it was forgiveness and mercy. And I was in that line, moving up in the line at first, before I heard that, thinking, I've been forgiven. You know, right? I'm, I'm getting some, you know, I'm going to get some good rewards. And as I heard what was happening in the line, as I was getting closer, I was starting to pray, God, I hope I poured out buckets. I hope I poured out buckets of forgiveness, and I hope I poured out buckets of mercy. Because when I stand up there face to face with you, I want to receive buckets back. Mercy and forgiveness. By the measure you use, by the measure you give to others, it will be measured back to you. You don't have to understand why. You don't have to make sure they get what they deserve. That's not your place. And you also, listen, it's not just against others. You've placed yourself on this to stand trial. Let me say, how, how can I say that? We've sat down at the prosecutor's table accusing ourselves of some horrible monstrosities. I'm stupid. I'm unwanted. I'm no good. I'm lazy. I'm loved. Powerless. Weak. I'm just a victim. I can't control it. And the minute you start entertaining these accusations, Satan quickly begins his assault against you, calling others to sit with him and plead their case against you. Don't allow yourself to come in agreement with him, the accuser, over anyone else or over yourself. Speak what heaven speaks. So when you're in a courtroom and you're called on the witness stand, the little guy walks over to you. Actually, they still, thank you, God, hold a Bible. 
and ask you to place your hand on the Bible, raise your right hand, and repeat after me. And what do they say? I swear to... That's right. So I don't know, I don't want to know why some of you were drugged into court there, but anyway, yeah. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. If we're all in this courtroom, our only avenue, our only responsibility, our only defense should be the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. Speak the truth. Well, I don't feel it. Well, I don't see it. Well, I certainly don't hear that. What's the truth? Don't ever forget that the truth of God's word causes what you see to bow. But if you believe for some reason that what you see is more real than what you can't see, it's a lie. You're being deceived. That's why the resurrected Jesus, and the Bible says that as he is now, where is he? At the right hand of God, resurrected, interceding for us, name above all names, everything, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, bow before him. He has authority over heaven, over earth, and over everything under the earth, even. And he says, as he is now, so are we right now in this world. And if you believe for a minute that what you see is more real than that, you're being mistaken. That's why Jesus, when he could, listen, Again, things of this earth have to bow to the truth of God. That's why the resurrected Jesus could walk through walls and still be touched. That's why he could, be, he could ascend right before their eyes up into heaven, appear and disappear right before them, and yet sit down and eat with them. Because the physical bows to the spiritual. You have to. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you believe even. If it isn't the truth, it's not true. There. Tweet that one, right? That was deep. <laughs> if it's not the truth, it's not true. Don't believe a lie. So how can we stay seated at the table with Jesus? Speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you, God. So help you, God. Listen to the words coming out of your mouth. Little things. And again, don't swing your pendulum clear to the other side. And well, we're going to nitpick this one and nitpick that one. And well, we can't say that. Can't say that. Just speak truth. Okay? Speak truth. Ask yourself when you're speaking, would God say that about me? 
Could I hear that coming from the mouth of Jesus or does that sound like something the enemy would say? Because if your mouth is speaking anything that the enemy would say and not what God would say, you have aligned yourself to come into agreement with him. And you set opposed to heaven. That's a dangerous place. Listen. I believe if we get this, it, we're going to be like rocket launching into the things that God has for us as, as a individuals, family units, county, church. I believe if we can get this. When we speak the truth of God, we come into agreement with what's written about us and for us in heaven. Do you believe that there's books written about us? Yes, thank you. That, that's a scripture. Before you, you even were born, before a day of your life happened, God said, I knew the purposes and plans I had for you. I wrote a book for you. I journaled out everything for you. Right? To Jeremiah, he said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of hope, right? To prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Are any of those bad things? Are any, can you throw lack in there? Can you throw poverty in there? Can you throw sickness in there? Can you throw cancer in there? Can you throw disease in there? Sickness. No. Plans to give you a hope, prosper you, give you a good future. That's why Jesus could go around and heal all. Why? Sickness is not in God's plan for your life. It can't fit in there. You're like, yeah, but we live in a fallen world. Oh, so your, your words are true and God's words are a lie. Just because you're not feeling it doesn't mean it's not true. There is nowhere in God's, when he, Jesus even stood up, he unrolled the scroll and he said, what, what was the words of Isaiah where he said, I have been anointed to preach the good news, right? Set the captives free, right? Uh, uh, to the Lord's favor. Can you throw sickness under that at all? Disease, illness, Cancer, well, it's God's will that I have this. That's a lie. If it was the will of God for sickness to be in anyone, don't you think we would have seen that in Jesus' life where he would have came across somebody and say, oh yeah, you need to keep that sickness there. That one's from God. It never happened. Never happened. So you can confidently stand against anything that doesn't fit in God's plan for you, which is to prosper you, to give you hope and a good future. He also says things that every good thing comes from God. So where do bad things come from? Otherwise he would have said all good things and some bad things come from God, right? Yeah. Come on, people, we complicate this all the time, and this is very simple. It's truth or it's a lie. And I know our bodies. I mean, I just went through that stupid sickness before Christmas. And every day, my body... 
body did not believe the truth. But I knew the truth, so I continued to speak to the sickness. I am as Christ is right now. I have the promise to walk in divine health. Why? Because Jesus died for every sickness, disease, and pain. He included pain in there. It was all canceled at the cross. Well, what do you do when it's come upon you? Continue to fight against it. You're canceled. You have to go. You will bow. That sickness has to bow. And once you start taking steps of faith over those things, they'll become smaller and smaller. Oh, it's you again. I know you. You can't touch. Can't touch. Nah, 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 nah. Can't touch. Sorry, it just came out. If you continue to bow to the lie, the lie will become bigger and bigger and bigger. If you continue to speak the truth, the lie has to bow before the truth of God. So if you continue to speak the truth, it will bow. And I'll tell you, those little imps, nymphs, and all those other wicked things that carry the sicknesses and diseases and all those lacks and poverties, they don't like to bow. If they hear you profess enough the truth of God, they'll stop even coming in your house. Yeah, let's, let's forget about that house over there. I know what happens every time I go to that house, right? But if you fling open your door and entertain all the, oh, God has put this on me, you know, and I, oh, I'm so, and here it is again. They're like, hey, guys, come over here. This is a good one, right? Come on. This is so simple. Refuse to say anything that you could not hear coming from the mouth of Jesus. John 10, 27 says, My sheep know my voice. I know them and they follow me. We cannot continue to live this double standard life saying one thing and professing we believe another. Make your mouth line up with truth. I mean, the Bible instructs us to take every vain imagination, every thought captive, and make it obedient to Christ. That's a lofty way for saying, line it up with the truth. If it don't line up, cast it out. Would God give me this? No. Is that my fear? Wait a minute, I don't have fear. No. And cast it out. Don't allow your mind to entertain Anything that would speak against or not speak the full truth. And let me, I, I want to, and that's what I was trying to say about that song. Be careful that you're not believing half-truths. I mean, what did Satan come against Jesus with? Half-truths. He knows the word. As a matter of fact, you might as well just admit it now. He knows the word better than you do. So, of course, he's going to use the word. But he's going to use it in a way that um, God helps those who help themselves. Sounds good, but is it in the word? No. 
He'll throw out those half-truths. Um, God doesn't want us to own anything or be prosperous or, or have money because money is the root of all evil. Half-truth. Because actually, he says, I've set you up, the believers, who are supposed to be blessed of me, multiplied in every good thing, and he calls it riches and wealth, prosperity, enduring wealth. I love that, Proverbs. Read, read Proverbs. Enduring wealth. Why? He set us, what? For the poor. To lend to many nations. Why? Because it overturns Satan's monetary kingdom. He wants to control that. Why? So he can get his interest in there. Ooh, that's both physically and, you know, get his little greedy hands in there. He wants to take, a, you know, a hold of you, what? Through your finances. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is that we'll be blessed to be a blessing. How can you help something or someone if you don't have any money? Well, I just pray for them. Well, that's nice, but I'm sure they're hungry and want to eat something too. So yes, pray, but yes, we need to be free and prosperous, not so that we can set back and be selfish, so we can be generous on all occasions. So don't believe half-truths either. Let me show you. We were in Matthew 12, right? I shut my Bible, sorry. Matthew 12. And Matthew 13. See, and this is just it. And I keep trying to preach this and preach this. That you have to get this word in you. I don't care how you get it in you. If you do better reading a, a, tech, a, a book, great. If you do better having it read to you, great. If you, you know, whatever it is, but pick up the spoon and pick up the fork and feed yourself. Don't just think that you're getting full if you only get fed on the word when you come on Sunday. Because if you do, I challenge you to eat physically like that. If you can't live physically like that, how do you think you're going to live spiritually like that? And let me tell you something. This is already chewed up food. How gross is that? I'm spitting into your mouth already chewed up food. There, think about that one. You have to feed yourself. And let me show you why. Here, uh, Jesus is teaching again, chapter 13. He's talking to everybody. He loves giving parables. He loves sharing parables. They're just stories with points. He's got a point to his story. I love, poor, I love stories with points. Tell me, you know, you're going to tell me a point to this story. Uh, verse 10, so he told the parable of the sword. Did you just share that? You just shared the sword, didn't you? No, she's saying the talents. Oh, okay. Um, verse 10. The disciples came to Jesus and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? Listen to this. He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more. Okay, whoever has. What's he talking about? Has what? He's not talking about money there. 
It's talking about the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but how many... Okay, this maybe this is not a good thing. Don't raise your hand. Um, some of us really like secrets. Right? Let me put it in a good way. Wouldn't you like to hear, if it wasn't illegal, some insider trading? Secrets that would help you in your investing. Oh, yeah. If it wasn't illegal, it is illegal. That's not good. Don't. Okay. He's saying, I'll give you the knowledge that is the learned truth of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Now, whoever has the knowledge, the learned truth of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven will be given more and he will have an abundance. It'll keep coming to you. Did you know this secret? Did you know this secret? Did you know this about the kingdom? Did you know that? It'll just keep coming to you. Learned truths. I like that he said knowledge because if he would have just said the secrets of, you would have no responsibility to get into this book, the Bible, would you? No, he's just going to pop them in my head, right? But because he said the knowledge of the secrets, it's the learned truth. There's a responsibility now on our part to open it up and learn. So whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven is learned truth. Our responsibility to get into this world, or word, not world, word. And he was saying have. Those who have. Not talking about I have this, I stuck it in a drawer and closed the drawer and once a week I pull it out, dust it off, or actually I put it in the drawer so I wouldn't have to dust it off because I was feeling guilty about doing that so I just put it in the drawer so it don't get dusty and I carry it to church. Well, what are you learning throughout the week? And let me tell you, yes, I, I mean, I'm one of those people. I read, uh, I read books sometimes two a week, to tell you the truth, uh, because I, I'm wanting more and more knowledge of the secrets. Uh, I fascinate over the books that are 99% the Word of God. They're already speaking what's already in the word. They're just speaking it like in a different story format. I love those ones. But I, I remember them better when they, they're read to me. 
So I have Audible, and it, it reads to me. That's how I can get through it so fast. Um, but when I'm studying the Word, and I, ha I do have, what is that, version? And every night I let that nice soft voice read the word to me. And I'll, oh yeah, I'm reading. Yeah, 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 I'm reading. Yeah, I'm reading. Oh, okay, read that chapter again, you know. I let, you know, because I want it in me. If I'm riding my motorcycle, I love to put my headphones in and just have it read the Bible to me. Now there's other, yes, I do listen to music and there are other times. Because if you're anywhere near me when I'm riding by, I tend to forget that people can hear your voice even over your pipes driving by and I'm like belting it out. I am because you know I'm the motorcycle's loud, my headphones are in and I've caught myself doing that going through a town before and I'm like, well I thought people was looking at my butt. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, what is that crazy lady saying? <laughs> Did you hear that? Anyway, but when I read the word, when I'm studying the word, I want to see the words because I mark my Bible up. What was he saying? And that's what I've done here. Has, I circled that. Has what? And so I even wrote over here and I drew a little line. That's what he's talking about. The kingdom, the secrets to the kingdom, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. I want to mark it all up. When I come across a word that I kind of know the definition of, I go and look it up anyway, and then I write it right in here because it elaborates on it. But so he's, when he says whoever has, it's not just that I have a, well, I have a Bible, I have a Bible, I have a Bible, I have a, I have a Bible on my phone, so I don't, you know. Has or have. That word he's talking about is stewarding well. Stewarding well. It's as if mama, daddy, are leaving the house and have put together a list of things you will complete before I get home. The word that they're trying to describe here, has, is now they have instructions. To receive the reward, they have to have done what it said, right? Obeyed the instructions. That's the have this is talking about. Stewarding well. Listening and obeying. Listening and obeying. You're like, well, what does that have to do with speaking? Stay tuned next week. i got to wrap up. <laughs> I really got to share the next part of this and we'll put them both together. Um, I'm out of time and we would be here at least till one if I just tried to plow through even. Um, so Amy, if you'd come back up. said, if you have, if you steward well, listen and obey, you will be given more. More what? More knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. I've, I've so stood on this one promise that I have found myself, and that's why we turned our life groups around even. So we're doing Bible studies. And you can call them Bible studies. It's not one of those, oh, that's the old, uh, yeah, so boring, right? 
you know, we had a couple um, people who was very against moving from our videos and our and, and going just to reading the Bible that have gotten so much because that's what we're doing. We're slowing down reading. What? Reading to know. Reading to know him better. Reading to understand. He's got secrets hidden in here for us to find and discover. And if we listen and we obey, if we be good stewards of what he's given us, he's going to continue to give us more and more and more. And do you know who does that help? It helps you. Helps you. So when you're finding yourself slipping away from his table and over to the accuser's table because you're believing these half-truths or confusing the truth so much that you, you, you've ended up over here, he says, you know, if you would just get the word in you, <laughs> start speaking that out you have no I don't even want to say fear or worry because it's not yours anyway they're just tormentors you can be confident that your seat will remain at the right table and I've encouraged a many minister friends who have called me up or texted me um, and said, well, you know, look at so-and-so TV evangelist or pastor and, um, you know, this pastor that did this or that pastor that did that. Um, let's just be real honest and I'll hit home for a second. Um, the pastor at West Church that just died. I've heard many, many horrible things about him. I don't know him. I've known about him. Obviously, he's a brother in the Lord and was working in the kingdom and then lost his life to a, you know, a horrible accident. And well, he just got what he deserved. This is from Christians. He got what he deserved because you know, he was swindling money from the church. Remind him of this vision I saw. You be careful, there's only two tables in the courtroom of heaven, and we're either sitting at the defender's table or we're sitting at the accuser's table. And I refuse to say, think, or believe anything that would put me in agreement with anything or anyone other than God. And we have been commissioned. We're supposed to believe the best, hope the best, love the most, right? Forgive, mercy, right? Right? So you be careful that your words line up with that. Well, he was swindling 500. Well, let me just tell you, and that's what I shared with um, a couple of these people. Um, were you there? Did you do the books? Oh, you didn't. Okay. Well, if we line it up with the word and we're supposed to believe the best and hope the best, what if he was just a generous person and, like some of us are, just don't like doing book work? And just figured, you know, oh, you need money? Oh, you know, you, you need, here's this bill or here's that bill. Why can't we believe that about him? Well, we don't know if that's the truth. So isn't it better to believe something good about somebody than it is to believe something bad? You know, I had 
people come against us for having Dave Williams in the church because he's a prosperity preacher. How dare he? How dare he what? What's wrong with what he's saying? Well, people will just become lovers of money. Well, how about we just teach him not to? <laughs> Love God. He wants to bless you. What's wrong with that? You know, don't say anything. Don't entertain anything. Don't come in agreement with anything that stands again against what you could hear come out of the mouth of Jesus. And next week, we're going to dive into the rest of this story, the rest of this story, the whole, what's his name? Paul Harvey. Stay tuned for the rest of the story. Because we have some practical steps we need to take. All right? But would you just stand? We're going to focus on this first part, if I, if I could say it that way. The speaking truth. This keeping our butts, if I can be so motherish with you, keep your butts in the right seat. Stay over here. So I believe that we need to do, I'll save the second part of the altar for next week, but the... Again, I'll dive into this more next week, but let me just say this right here. What we just read for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Calloused is indifferent and unchanged. It's become indifferent and unchanged. Why? Because you've ignored the instruction of the Lord. Because if you would, and line it up with the scripture we read in Matthew 12, if you would listen, if you would obey, you'll be given more instruction, more knowledge of the secrets. Why? So you can continue to move in the kingdom of heaven that you were created to. Uh, we're kingdom carriers. Release earth now as it is in heaven. So again, you wonder why you, you feel like you're constantly in a, in a battle to just try to breathe. How can I start releasing kingdom? Because you haven't even done that in yourself yet. Stop believing the lie. Stop believing the half-truths. And start believing the truth. I've had to, since God put this in my heart a couple weeks ago, talk out loud. God, you love me completely right now. As a matter of fact, you don't just love me, you like me. I am pleasing in your sight right now as I stand right here. All my lumps and dimples and, you know, fluffiness and, you know, everything. You love me just as I am right now. And you have good things in store for me. A hope, a future, a plan to prosper me. And I start claiming all those things. And I start speaking all those things over my life. Why? Because I can't speak it over your life if I can't believe it for my own. 
can't begin speaking life in this dark world if I can't start speaking life over my world. I have to start believing, speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. So, Father, we just come before you right now. We thank you, God, that you are so, so good. So, so good that you withhold no good thing from your children. No good thing. So wherever we stand in lack, in need, in sickness or disease, it's because we have been drawn to or believed a lie. That we are made more than conquerors through everything that Jesus died, atoned for. comes at me with a, a cold or a flu or a sickness or a humongous bill that I feel like I just can't pay. Whatever it is, your word promises that you, God, will come upon him like a pent-up flood, like a tidal wave. And though he comes at me in one direction, he'll flee in seven. So I don't have to accept that as mine. It's yours. God, I can boldly and confidently come before your throne of grace, your word says, and find mercy and help in my time of need. Jesus, your promise is that everything's been given to you. And by asking in your name, believing your word is true, the Holy Spirit's job description is to take from what is yours and make it a reality to us. God, you, you have provided for everything. Why should we believe anything less than your truth? Make us immediately aware from now on when we speak anything or believe or begin to entertain a thought that is contrary to your word or even a half truth and help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to take it captive and make it obedient to your truth In Jesus name so I want us to spend time